Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. Well, today is uh, the conclusion of this series of messages called Prepare the Way. And I invited uh, someone who is very near and dear to me to come and to uh, finalize uh, this series of messages because he has completed his own Prepare the Way journey. Recently, he stepped aside from being lead pastor after he was a pastor for 20 years at a great church in Cincinnati, Ohio, Whitewater Crossing Christian Church. Dave stepped aside from there. And uh, so uh, he's a little ahead of me in that stepping aside game, but God still used him in a great way. I wanna show you some pictures real quick, just show you how long I've known this guy. I knew him when he had hair, and he knew me when my hair was brown. Now we're aging just a little bit here, as you can see through the years. Look at the next uh, uh, pictures there. Now this is getting a little more like we've looked. Uh, and then the next are some of our favorite. Those are golf pictures. That's actually he and I at St. Andrews in Scotland back 10 years ago. And then this last one is a little bit more up to date, as you can see. That's his lovely wife, Donna. And uh, of course, my wife, Melinda. I've known David Vaughn since I was 17 years of age. That's young. And I was a freshman at Cincinnati Bible College. Dave was a sophomore. I've never pastored a church without him being my best buddy. And I've pastored for 42 years today, by the way. Today is my 42nd year. Today is my 42nd year of being a local church pastor. And David Vaughn has been with me every step of the way in every church. He has celebrated my highest highs. He has walked with me in my lowest of lows. Someone said, how do you minister for 42 years? Well, one of the secrets is get a best buddy like David Vaughn. Would you welcome right now my best buddy, Pastor David Vaughn to Journey Christian Church as he comes and shares with us today. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> I bring you greetings from my new home in South Carolina. Now, I have recently, as John said, retired. I kind of call it refired because I'm still, John and I, we're never, oh, pastors never retire. They just go out to pastor, uh, and that's what we are doing. And I'm refiring, but I got to tell you something. Since I have moved on and journey, what a special church this is. I've been able to preach, uh, preach in here. Dustin and John, what, what a special church you have here. And so wherever you're watching from, let me tell you, don't take this for granted. Don't take it for granted. Not every church is like it. I want to talk about that in just a few minutes. But I've recently retired, and here I've learned some things. When you retire after 20-some years, and I was preaching in another place, 13. You have time, and I've been doing this now like four months. I, I, I'm still in pastoral detox uh, from a, a lot of pressure. I told John, and he's feeling, you don't realize what kind of hamster wheel you're on until you get out of the cage. And I love it. And uh, good, good luck with that, Pastor Dustin. Anyway, I, uh, <laughs> I love what I'm doing now. 
I get to do so many things. And since I've been now in four months, I've been in, in reflective mode. And I, I've learned some things that I didn't know, and I wish I'd have learned sooner. Uh, number one, I learned that I like the South more than the North already. Some of y'all already know that. I like the sun, the sand, the sea, and biscuits. God help me. God help, as you can tell, I like the biscuits. I, I have learned that uh, it, it's, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals didn't get good till I left town. That's what I've learned. Uh, I've learned some more profound things, though, too. I learned how much I took my wife for granted after all these years of ministry. And she's, I'm sure, watching online. Never take your wife for granted. For too many years, I let the bride of Christ become more important than my bride. And Jesus has reminded me lately, hey, David, I already got that bride covered. You take care of yours. And 42 years later, she's still with me, and I'm grateful for that. She likes the South Carolina Dave more than the Ohio Dave. That's what she would say. Then the other profound thing I've learned, and John kind of already stole my thunder, I, I have learned how precious my relationship with John Allen Hampton is. I don't think I realize, neither one of us, how special uh, of a relationship, how, how wonderful, how life-giving that was until we look back. And I don't know what happened. I mean, we started out really young, vibrant. I mean, active. Hair. I had hair. That's what, that's what pastoring a church for 40 years will do, do for you. I've recently switched shampoos, though. Did you know that? I, I, I have. I, I, I've moved from head and shoulders to mop and glow. That's really what I've, what I've done. But I, uh, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be standing here today if it weren't for John Hampton, in many ways. Set me up so well. And you don't know this. I've stolen so many sermons from Pastor Hampton. <laughs> I just put my illustrations on it, but they were really his. I think he stole from somebody. Anyway, I, uh, he has helped me. When y'all did prepare the way, I did prepare the way. I did, whatever he did, I said, it must be good. I'm going to do that. But I've learned something else as I've reflected back, and that's really the heart of what I want to share with you this morning. Uh, and if you're watching here in Apopka or Lake County or online, I know there are lots of people watching. I want to talk to you about something I have learned. Here it is. And I've been doing a deep dive study on this. Here's a statement. There's nothing like the church when the church is working right. This is what I've learned. Now, on the contrary, is also true. There's nothing worse than when the church is not working right. Amen? Amen. Some of y'all have been on both sides of that. But there's nothing better than when the church is working right. It's the most glorious, wonderful thing to see. It is working right. I'm just telling you right now. It's working right right here at Journey, right here at this wonderful church, with succession especially. Pastor John, Pastor Dustin, they're making succession look a lot easier than it is. Trust me. I know what successful succession looks like. They're making that work well. But there's nothing like the church when the church is working right. How do you know when it's working right, you may ask? Is it just because, journey again, don't take what you have for granted here. And I know you're not perfect. I, I, Pastor John hadn't told me a lot, but I can tell you, you're not perfect. Look at me. Look at you. We're, we ain't right. God's grace is still greater than our disgrace. 
But how do you know what the church working right looks like? How do you know? What does it look like? Well, I guess it depends on who you ask. A newspaper article caught my eye a while back in Cincinnati from Indianapolis, Indiana. And a new church was formed there. They were recently granted IRS tax exemption. And, and they, so they've become an official church. And that's not something, that's not unusual. What is unusual is the name or the kind of the church. It's called the First Church of Cannabis. And here it is. Some of y'all, I, you just woke up right there. You say, I, I might want to join that church. Bill Levin is the pastor. More than 700 people have already become members of this church. They call themselves cannabitarians. <laughs> Instead of taking up an offering, they sell holy rollers, rolling paper to raise funds. Instead of having communion every week, what we do, pot is their sacrament. And as part of the service, the congregation rises in unison and they recite some liturgy before smoking cannabis together every Sunday. Church is growing like wildfire. <laughs> is that the church working right? Well, if you like pot, it is. I mean, how do you know what is a legitimate church? The only way to know is to go back, in my opinion, to the New Testament. I mean, if ever there was a perfect church, this was it. And by the way, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll mess it up. <laughs> the only way to go back and look is to study the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul, I'm pretty sure, don't you think? The Apostle Paul knew what a church was supposed to look like. And so he wrote a letter about a church. He wrote a letter to a church, and he described them in a word that I've never, I've done a deep dive on this, this one word. He called them a model church. Let, let me read the verses to you from this letter to this model church. I'm going to read it through, and then I'm going to come back and unpack a few key uh, points together. First Thessalonians 1, chapter 2. How do you know what a church really looks like? Here we go. Here's what Paul says. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. By the way, that's how I feel about you at Journey. You're not really, you're kind of my secondary parish, so to speak. I always thank God for you. I thank God for John and Melinda. Continue to mention you in my prayers. We remember, notice what he remembered. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, yesterday with your served day, you were a model of work produced by faith and labor prompted by love. Man, over 500 people. It's incredible. I watch that video. It's incredible. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And now we come to the word. And so you became what? A model to all the believers in Macedonia, Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia, Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us 
from the coming wrath. I've been fascinated by this verse and this chapter and this word, that phrase that Paul used, model. It's the only, I've done, again, a, a pretty significant scriptural survey and study in this because I've been traveling around in my refirement and talking to churches and leaders about the church working right. It's the only time that the Apostle Paul ever used that word, that phrase, model, anywhere in the New Testament. Of all the churches that Paul saw and worked with and through and at, which was a ton, the, the only church that he thought exemplified what a church working right looks like was this church because he called it a model church. Now, why were they a model church? Well, if you look closely at the text that we just read, four different things just popped out, four reasons why they were a model church. They all start with W, and, and one of them's not weed, by the way. They all start with W, and I want to give them to you real quick in machine gun fashion. Hold on, because I got, I, I got some ground to cover, and I want to honor your time. Number one, they were a working church. Did you catch that? They were a working church. It says, we remember our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love. It is hard work to have a healthy modeling church. Creating, maintaining a model church is hard work. Anything healthy, whether it's your body, whether it's your spiritual body, it requires attention and work, does it not? You can tell I've had some biscuits. I need to pay more attention to the why. I've been going to the why. That's why we call it a work out. But Paul later says to the Philippians that we are to work out our salvation. It's a workout. Everybody wants a healthy body. Everybody wants a body that looks like Dustin Agar. I can't explain it. I don't know. Everybody wants a body like that. Everybody wants a healthy church working right body. I've never met a member who didn't want their church to be healthy and functioning. You, but we don't get either of those. You want to know why? People have upside hopes, but they got downside habits. They don't do the discipline, the routine, the habits that make their body or make their marriage or make their work relationship or make their family or make their church work right. Friend, I found out a long time ago, you have figured this out at Journey, I know. Ministry starts out as fun, then it becomes work, and then it becomes war. And after you war a while, it becomes fun again. Make no mistake, you're in a war, you know that, right? You have to work on the war. You do, it's a battleground, it's not a playground. Now, later on in 2 Thessalonians, the next letter to the same group of people, Paul put it this way, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor do we eat anyone's food without paying for it. <laughs> that can't be said of me. I, I like the free food. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring, toiling. Boy, I just described a church, a healthy church. It's a working church, working right, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we did not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model. There's our word again, interesting. As a model for you to imitate. So Paul was a model, and they became that model. The church in Thessalonica was a church working right. Why? First of all, they were working. They were serving. They worked at it. And I'm just telling you now, you're in a new chapter. 
You're getting ready to go in a new chapter. It takes hard work. Don't you think this stuff just shows up automatic in a church? Don't you just think you just show up, man, isn't it great? God's anointing, God's blessing. Oh, no, you got to work on it. You work like it depends on you, but you know that the work of God is really what makes it happen. Friend, I'm telling you, I used to tell our people all the time on these big baptism days or big offering days or big stuff, I say, you know, we're good, but we're not that good. It is the work of God in us because there's nothing like the church when the church is working right. Well, they were a working church. Number two, they were also a welcoming church. Did you see that? You became imitators of us and you welcomed the message in the midst of suffering with joy. You gave us a reception, he says, a warm reception. They welcomed Paul, the messenger, and the gospel message with joy. They showed great hospitality, love to Paul, his team, anyone else who wanted to hear about Jesus. Churches that are working right are warm, friendly, welcoming churches. They're filled with warm, now there's some oddballs, I know y'all don't have any, but we did. I'm telling you what, COVID brought out the weirdest church members I have ever seen in my life. And suddenly we became less welcoming. But churches are filled normally, growing churches, churches are working right, with wonderful, welcoming people. They, they create an equal opportunity, hospitality environment. But when you're tired from working, and when the pressures of life get to you, sometimes you're not as friendly as you want to be. Oh, I've never coached a church that didn't think they were the friendliest people on the planet, but they're only friendly to each other. They weren't friendly to the one who was the last, the least, the lost. And I can tell you, I understand this. I have a confession to make. I'll just make it. Now that I'm retired, I confess all kinds of stuff. In fact, I'm confessing other people's sins unless they contribute to my retirement fund. I'm, I'm confessing. I have a confession to make. I have not always welcomed people like he said we should. A few years ago, before I retired, I was working at the church late one evening. I'm trying to finish up what I had to do to get out of town for my annual summer study break to meet John. And you know what it's like when you're trying to get ready to go out of town for vacation, for a long trip. You're trying to get it all done. All of a sudden, I heard the doorbell ring at the church office, and this strange guy was standing out there. It was 9.30, 10 o'clock. I hadn't even packed yet. I said, oh, no. He needed some money, not, no surprise. No other staff were around. Where are my staff? I kept saying that. What, where are you when I need you? I listened patiently to his story. I was kind of in a hurry. It was, to be honest, quite bizarre. I was skeptical. He said he had hitchhiked to the church, and if you've seen our church, it's in a rural area. You just can't get there easily. There's no bus stops. He'd hitchhiked there. He had no car, no one he could call. It was getting late. He wanted money. I couldn't get a taxi to come out there. I couldn't get an Uber to come out there. I wasn't leaving there with that guy. In fact, in my hurry to try to get an Uber, I accidentally signed up to be an Uber driver. (laughs) And then I was sitting text, go on your first drive, go on your first Uber. He wouldn't leave, neither would I. So I called the cops. I called a Hamilton County deputy who arrived, graciously agreed to transport him all the way downtown Cincinnati to the bus station. He didn't have any money, 
and against my better judgment and against our church policy not to give out money, I, I reached about why I was going to give him anything just to get him off of my hands. And I know it was tired talking, but before he left with the cop standing there, I said to him, buddy, I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart because I love God and I love people. But if I find out you're lying to me and ripping me off, may God strike you dead. Isn't that such a loving pastor? That's when I knew it's time to retire. That's when I knew. It's so funny because the deputy was standing there. He heard all this. He said, you, you might want to listen to Pastor Vaughn here. Don't be like that. We really need to be a welcoming church if we want to be a model church. I know you're friendly to each other, but go back in your mind and remember what it was like the first time you came to a church alone by yourself, hurting. If they knew me, they'd stone me, what I did last night, as if all of us don't deserve that. Never forget what it's like to be a new person in this new season of your life, because there's nothing like the church when the church is working right. Well, they were a working church. They were welcoming church. Notice also they were a witnessing church. And I love the way that it says this. It says the Lord's message rang out from you, not only locally, but regionally and globally, which is what's happening here at this church. You just don't have a local vision. You have a regional vision. You have a global vision. The Lord's message rang out. You need to be a witnessing, outward-focused church, and that is not the norm for churches. I'm thankful you're where you are because you have an outward focused pastor and you have a new one coming who's also the same. Friends, I have found in my travels that the natural gravitational pull of a church is always insider focused. You don't even have to make it up. You have to work hard and making an outward focus. Naturally, it just is ingrained, ingrown. Not y'all. But some churches, it's my wants, my preferences, my way. But the Bible says we need to ring the message out. We're, we're to be an outward-focused church. The Great Commission cannot be the great omission in our life if we're, church is working right. We, we are called to be ambassadors. But there are too many ambassadors hanging out in the embassy. We, we got to get out. Now listen to me. I want to speak to my heart for you. And I'm probably not going to be invited to preach back after I say this anyway, so that's fine. If we are not careful, our wonderful mission in a church will shift from reaching the people on the outside to placating the people on the inside. And I've just looked back in my ministry, and I've just made a decision a couple years ago that I will not spend the rest of my pastoral leadership life trying to appease people who were easily and perpetually offended. And you got some people in the church that way. Even as wonderful, working right as this church is, you have people always easily and perpetually offended. So I may not be back to preach. But anyway, instead of pleasing people, a church working right tries to become all things to all men and please God by reaching people on the outside. A while back, the evangelistic fervor and energy of our church was dropping a little. And evangelism is one of my spiritual gifts. I mean, I, I, if I was honest, I would say that my gifts are not preaching. It's not really leading. 
Nobody can outwork me when it comes to winning lost people. Thousands of people found help and hope in Jesus. I always had to get somebody who connected those believers. Because once they come up out of the water, I lost interest. I was going on to the next lost person. I always had to have great staff and leaders around me to help disciple. Because, you know, you don't want them to come back next year and get rebaptized. You know, you want to go and disciple them. But our evangelistic temperature had dr drifted a bit. So I decided to go old school. We weren't seeing as many visitors as I thought we should. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do what they did back in the old days. I'm gonna, there was a new neighborhood that opened up in our city, not far from our church. A couple members are living. I just went knocking on doors, cold turkey, with uh, information brochures in my hand. I took a couple, a couple other people with me. I went down one side, they went down the other. It was awesome. Most of the people wouldn't open the door. That's when I found out everybody's got those video door cameras. And they thought I was Jehovah's Witness or a creeper or something, man. That, that, they were opening the door for that bald dude. But I did meet some people, and we invited people to come to church. I got down to the very last cul-de-sac. So This is so true. Cul-de-sac, last door, last place I was going to visit. And I knocked on the door. Nobody was there. And when no one was there, I just, and the screen door was unlocked, I would open the screen door, put the brochure about the church in, and walk away. Got down to that last house rang the doorbell, nobody home, opened the screen door, put the brochure in, and turned to walk away down the steps. And as I turned, I heard behind me the door open. The guy must have been late coming. But not only did the guy come out of the door, his Doberman pincher kind of dog came out of the door. And before I knew what was happening, that dog bounded down those steps and bit me right on the leg. I looked down, I had two holes in my Wrangler jeans. I could feel some of the blood going down. Now we got to have a conversation not about Jesus, but about rabies. And don't you think a guy would feel guilty if I told him I was a preacher? He would, feel, he would be guilty enough to come to church. No. I mean, bit the preacher. Come on, you got to come to church. You know, Paul said, I bear on my body the marks of Christ. I do. And so we started a whole new canines for Christ ministry right there on the spot. But don't you think that next day, this was a Saturday morning we went out, don't you think I told that story the next day? And I milked it and I walked around and limped, you know. But it raised the temperature in the room for people to go outside the room and do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus Christ. And later on, people in that neighborhood were in line for the all-in baptism service people that we risk even getting dog bit for were in the service. So what kind of crazy out there, outside the box ideas will you be pursuing to be a church working right when it comes to witnessing? Friend, we got to be a witnessing church if we want a model church. Most of you in this room are in the category of the already convinced. What are you going to do? For those who are far from God, who don't even know they're lost because somebody hadn't told them yet, you will not lock eyes with anybody tomorrow that doesn't matter to Jesus Christ. God put journey here to fulfill the great commission. Don't become inward focused. And because there's nothing like the church when the church is working right. By the way, if you just look at these first three, working, welcoming, witnessing, it sounds very close to the vision for journey that Pastor Dustin shared a while back on reaching, serving, developing. See, I keep up with what's going on down here. 
I know what he's saying and what he's not saying. I'm telling you, you are on the verge of the greatest run for that journey's ever had. What a run you've had under Pastor John Hampton. But you know, that's the foundation on which you're gonna climb to another level. As long as you are working and welcoming and witnessing. Well, last, did you catch it? Verse 10, they were a waiting church. Oh, this might be the best one. We tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. Friend, the reason we work, the reason we welcome, the reason we witness is because we're waiting. We're waiting for that soon returning king, risen Lord Jesus Christ. I'm praying he comes before the next election. I'm just praying, God, come back. Looking back, you know what? I've analyzed my sermons and my preaching. Looking back, I don't think I preached enough on the second coming. But the early disciples did. They thought he's coming back in their day. How much more should we think he's coming about now? He could split the sky now today. You realize that right now? It could be today. The signs are everywhere, friend. So all that stuff we clutch, (laughs) all that stuff that's our agenda, all this stuff that means so much to us on this earth is going to all go away. He is coming. I want to say it again, he's coming. I heard about this pastor who's preaching a revival on the second coming. Every once in a while he'd stop and say, I am coming. I am coming. He'd get louder and inch a little closer to the front. I am coming. I am coming. Finally got so close to the front, he tripped and fell over in a lady's lap on the front row. Oh, he was so apologetic. I'm so sorry. I she said, preacher, you told me multiple times you were coming. <laughs> and I didn't believe you. <clears throat> And I think preachers through the years have told the church multiple times, I am coming. I am coming. They don't believe it. Because he didn't come today. He's not coming tomorrow. He'll come in the twinkling of an eye. It'll be a shock. It'll be a surprise. People will be working. They'll be going about their regular lives. We won't even know. It'll come like a thief in the night. The reason we work, the reason we witness the reason that we, that, we do, that we welcome people is because he's coming again. And you and both know, you and I both know, there's people in your family and people in your life that are not ready if he comes today. We're not waiting for him. Friend, the second coming is the why of everything you do. That's why I should have preached on it more. And here's what I found out. When people lose their why, they lose their way. Keep coming back to the why. He's coming And there's people that are not going to be in heaven if I don't witness and work and welcome. The why is so important. Pastor John, I watched, I told him, send me the manuscript from that message last week on why you should give to Journey. It made me want to sign up for the 90-day challenge. It is awesome. Generosity is a huge part of the church working right. It didn't start with a W. Maybe it was worship. I should have got it in there, you know. Uh, But generosity is huge. It prepares the way for the church to work right, for the match made for heaven. And as I mentioned earlier, that stuff you are clutching that you think is valuable, your gold, it's gonna be worthless when Jesus comes again. Can I just remind you again that you don't get bonus points for having big bank accounts when Jesus returns? In fact, you're gonna get penalized for it. 
every once in a while, I would tell our finance team, you know, this is a pretty big, pretty big amount we got in the bank here. Uh, we should get, use it. We should, I, I'm, a, I'm for margin, but we can't uh, like sit on this you know, and hoard it. I, I was so afraid Jesus would come back and catch us with some. <laughs> the finance team didn't want to hear that at all. But I spent a long time studying Moses and Joshua in the Old Testament as I prepared for our succession experience in Ohio. And I realized in studying Moses and Joshua something I'd never seen before. The plunder that they brought out of Egypt, the gold, the jewelry, all that, the plunder that God allowed the children of Israel to take out of Egypt in the Exodus became the same gold that they melted to shape the golden calf. How often God's gifts to us become idols for us. And what John is casting vision for, and Dustin is the why of why you give. In light of Jesus' imminent return, when we all will make an earthly exodus to the real promised land, what kind of people ought we to be? What kind of treasures should we be giving? It right-sizes everything about life. Friend, Jesus, the head of the church, is coming back. Pastor Dustin is not the head of the church. Pastor Vaughn is not the head of the church. Pastor John, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And he's coming back for an accounting. Were you working? Were you welcoming? Were you witnessing? Were you waiting for me? And when a church is waiting like that, the church is working right. There's nothing better. Maybe I didn't say that earlier. There's nothing like the church when the church is working right. And when you are working and you're witnessing and you're welcoming and you're waiting, God just shows up and he shows off in amazing ways. Well, let me close with one story that I think illustrates this more. It's a story of a guy who came to know Jesus because we were working and we were welcoming and we were witnessing and we were waiting for him to come. His name was Eric and we were having one of our all-in days and I know you've had many when I'm on my deathbed, the things I'll remember as a pastor are the moments in the baptistry, the stories, the things shared. I thank God every day I got to be a part of that. Well, we were having a big day, and I don't know, 80, 100 people came. It was wonderful. And one of my staff came up. I was in the water. He said, David, there's a guy in, who wants to get baptized today. His name is Eric. I said, great. Go, go get in line. He said, no, no, we got a special issue with Eric. He just got out of prison. And he has one of those electronic tracking anklets on. And he says if he gets that wet, he's going to be in more trouble than he already is. I said, you get him in line, and I'll figure this out by the time he gets in the water. And so he came down. I had him come down backwards. Uh, you want to see it? You want to see it? Let, let, I brought a clip for you. Let, watch this. Eric. Friend, Eric's going to heaven, his leg's not, but Eric's. <laughs> That's a whole other theological lesson, I, I, Dust, Pastor Dusty. 
Don't you think when people saw that at that service, they went away from church saying there's nothing like the church when the church is working right? Friend, it's nothing. Don't give up on the dream of the church. Don't let it become a political organization. Don't let it become just a social organization. Don't let it become just a relational organization. Friend, there is nothing like the blood-bought bride of Jesus Christ working right. And I'm so excited that you will cheer Pastor John on in his next and that you are cheering Pastor Dustin on and the team. I'm so proud of the elders here. And there's nothing like the church where it's working right. And thank you for letting a bald guy now from South Carolina, a little closer to you, cheer you on. And on days when you don't think the church is working right, on days when you think you're crazy, you got a guy, a bald guy, who says you're not. And my wife Donna and I could not be more proud to be affiliated with these men and this church working right. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the stories of Eric. Today's message has primarily been to the church, but I know there are people in this room and probably people watching online, Father, who are not in relationship with you. Maybe they're more Eric than they are church member. So God, I pray for them today as well. May the church work right, but may their relationship with you work right. And I pray for the Eric's who are listening right now to this message because they know they're not ready if Jesus would come again. So we exist, and this moment exists, to help people take that one next step in relationship with you. So I pray for that to occur even this morning, whether we have a tracking anklet on or not. And I pray, God, for this wonderful church that it would continue to work and welcome and witness and wait for you to show up. And God, I pray for a boldness for this church for their next season. What a gifted leader John Hampton has been. But God, he didn't just come to serve the church. He came to serve Jesus. And at the end of the day, those, that, that, those words, well done and faithful servant, or what he and I long to hear from the lips of the one who died for us. So help us to be like the Thessalonian church, God, here at Journey, and be a model church. In Christ's name we pray, amen. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, And through Jesus, anything is possible.